I'm Desiree. And I'm Taylor. You're tuned into Birthkeeper Banter, a space to discuss powerful birth stories, radical birthkeeping, and all things birth outside of the box. This podcast is produced by Herbal Training, and nothing discussed should be considered medical advice because birth is not a medical event. For classes and more information, go to herbal.teachable.com. Hey guys, welcome to this episode of Birthkeeper Banter. Desiree and I are here with Brittany, and she's going to share with us today about her birth stories. So welcome, Brittany. Thank you for coming on with us. Thank you guys so much for having me. Absolutely. So tell me with your first baby, what were you thinking for that birth? What was your mindset at that time? And how did that go for you? Okay. So with my first, um, I was 25 years old when I found out I was pregnant and I felt like, uh, I felt like I was 15 and finding out I was pregnant because I was so scared to tell my parents because my boyfriend and I were not engaged or married or anything of the sort. They're very old fashioned. So I kind of went into the whole thing, just, um, not really numb, just, I don't know, whatever. Um, so I told them and they took it as well as they could. And the only experience I had with any kind of birth before that was my sister's birth and she is 17 years older than me. So she didn't have kids until I was 17. So I really had knew nothing about babies in the family, anything like that. So I went into it very blind. Um, but I had a friend who was an admin of a mom group on Facebook and I had no idea that mom groups were even a thing at that point. And she added me to her mom group because she was like, you know, you need to just hear stories and figure it out. So that led me to meeting um, Sarah Bailey, actually. And she was always talking about how she had her um, free births and it intrigued the crap out of me because I all I ever knew was you gave birth in a hospital. And so I started following her stories and learning about her life and everything. And I was like, wow, that's really cool. That's definitely something I would love to try one day. Um, so I tried to be more naturally minded with my first pregnancy. So I went into um, the OB that my sister saw and had an open mindset. And thankfully, like he was, as far as OBs go that I've been around, he was not pushy about anything. He was open to answering any questions I had, like about circumcision or just basically anything. He was not pushy about any kind of shots. Um, it was really a great experience. And I will, went into it excited that, you know, I found someone who was willing to listen. Um, the whole pregnancy was pretty normal. I was a flight attendant at the time. So that was fun trying to navigate being in different states and being nauseous all the time and on the plane was not fun. Um, I stopped flying in about seven months so that I was, you know, home and not, wouldn't be in a different state giving birth because that would terrify me <laughs> to be away from my family at the time. Um, so then we got to the end of my pregnancy and I woke up from a nap one day with my water leaking and I was like, oh my gosh, is this 
you know, am I going to be one of those moms who goes into the hospital thinking I'm in labor and this is actually nothing, but no, I actually was in labor and everything was progressing nicely. Um, I did opt for an epidural during that and it actually took them four tries to get the epidural in. And, um, I think that's kind of when I lost confidence in myself and the knowledge that I had gained from joining the mom group and like learning a, a different side of birth. Um, so when it came time for me to push, uh, the nurses had said, okay, we'll turn the epidural down so you won't be in pain, but you can, you'll feel the pressure. Um, I felt absolutely nothing at all. So I was just pushing with feeling nothing. They would tell me when to push. I couldn't even feel when to push. Um, at that point, the doctor came in and it seemed fine. Um, he, at some point, uh, they were saying that the, my baby's heart rate was dropping. So they were going to try an episiotomy and didn't ask my consent or anything like that. They just kind of went ahead with it. Um, and at that point I also hadn't really divin in, divin <laughs> I hadn't dived into the research of naturally tearing versus episiotomies. Um, so it was all kind of a blur at that point because I was shaking from the adrenaline and it almost led to a C-section because, you know, the doctor was like, okay, it's been almost an hour of her pushing. And if I can't get him out with force, um, with the vacuum now, then we're going to do a C-section. And thankfully he came out and I did get skin to skin, um, only for a couple of minutes, but they gave him, put him right on my chest and then they took him and did, you know, all the lovely things that they do, dried him off, took his footprint. Um, in New York, it's mandated for hep B and the eye ointment, and I didn't know any better at that point, so they did give him those. Um, and then the stay at the hospital was, was the real testing point for a uh, wanting to go a more natural route with my following births. We were in a room with another person, which is fine normally, but my roommate decided that she wanted to sing at four o'clock in the morning and with the nurses coming in and out, turning the lights off and telling us that we can't sleep with our babies because they need to adhere to regulations. It just was a huge turnoff and I wanted nothing to do with having, giving birth in a hospital going forward. So that led to when we were pregnant with our second, I told my husband that I wanted to give birth at home and I didn't care if anyone would be there. I said I was just going to do it. And he was not at all on board. Not at all. Um, I tried to convince him of giving birth at home with a home birth midwife. He said he would consider it, but ultimately wound up not being comfortable with that either. So we settled on a hospital birth with midwives. Um, initially going to the appointments, I thought it was, it was great. They were all very nice, wonderful women. But as my pregnancy got on, went on, I noticed that they were sometimes pushier than the OB that I had seen because he was wonderful up until the point of birth. 
Um, but the midwives at the hospital were the ones that were very pushy with the gestational diabetes testing. Um, I actually wound up failing my one hour test by one point according to that hospital standards. So they made me go for the three hour test. And even though I passed that, they still had me monitor for the rest of my pregnancy. Um, they were pushy about possibly needing an induction when I got to 38 weeks and wasn't showing any signs of labor. Um, at 39 weeks, they were the ones who suggested that I get a membrane sweep and I knew nothing about them at that point. I had never even really heard of it. So I said, sure. Um, thankfully it did not put me into labor at that point. Um, but they said, if I got to 40 weeks that we would schedule an induction at 39 weeks, they put me down for an induction date. Um, which really like, I knew I didn't want an induction. I wanted nothing to do with Pitocin because my sister who had given birth, um, when I was 17, uh, had an induction and her experience with Pitocin was, she turned into an absolute banshee. <laughs> um, so it was a big no thank you. Um, I was determined to not have, if I did have to have some sort of induction, it would be from a more natural method. So when I got to 40 weeks, um, they had scheduled my induction for the coming Monday. Um, I got to 40 weeks and I went for a chiropractor adjustment, acupuncture, I ate an entire pineapple and I got a pedicure and one of the above. Thankfully, my body was ready. Thankfully, my baby was ready. I went into labor that night. Um, I was in the bathtub and my husband was sleeping and he is a very heavy sleeper. So I felt like I was stuck in the bathtub because I wanted to get up and move positions and he wouldn't answer the phone. So I was like, okay, that's great. Well, I guess I'll be having the homework that I want because he can't even get up <laughs> to help me out of here. Um, but he finally did wake up and I was very insistent that I wanted to stay home. I didn't want to go to the hospital yet. I didn't want to deal with the midwives there. So he was great. He actually, in the moment, was like, okay, fine. I trust your knowledge. I trust your intuition. Go for it. So he let me labor as long as I could at home. And then I finally felt like I was going to give in um, again. And I was like, okay, just get me to the hospital. I want some kind of, I can't take the pain. Give me, give me anything at this point. When I had sworn to myself that I was not going to get an epidural ever again, because that was an awful experience getting poked five different times. Um, so we got his sister over to watch our firstborn and he drove me to the hospital and by the time we got there and they made us walk through the whole check-in process on paperwork, um, I was already at 10 centimeters and they got me to a room finally and the nurse was absolutely wonderful. She was the best part of the whole experience. Um, the midwife came in and she checked me. She's like, yep, yeah, you're, you're doing great. It's, you know, it's coming along fine. You're, you're doing great. And I was like, no, can I please get some pain medication? can I get an epidural, anything? And she's like, well, it's too late for an epidural. You know, we tried calling the um, anesthetist when you came in, but they were 
busy somewhere else. So sorry, they couldn't get to you. She's like, I'll come back and break your water in a few minutes. If you really want me to, I just have to go finish checking on something else. So I said, sure, come back. Um, the nurse was there. She was talking me through it. She was like, just, you know, it's, you're fine. If move however you need to, I'll be over here doing this. If you need help, if you need, you know, whatever. Um, and I just remember screaming, you know, I just want her to come break my water, just come break my water. And she was like, okay, no worries. I'll try and get her. So the nurse was walking to the other side of the room and she, uh, I was just grabbing my husband's hand and on the bed and bearing down and then my water burst across the room apparently. And my baby was out just a minute after that. Not even, I don't think I even felt like I was pushing. Um, that experience was a lot better. Um, we were allowed immediate skin to skin again. He was with me for, from the moment they put him in my arms until we left the hospital. Um, the nurses all were so incredibly sweet and accommodating and it was just a night and day difference from the experience at the other hospital we had attended. Um, even though that was like a better experience at the hospital, I wasn't in love with the experience of the uh, midwives. So I tried to convince my husband again to let me just give birth at home with no one but us there. And he was like a little hesitant still, but he said, you know, if you can find me some research that it's fine, whatever. Um, I will, I'll consider it. So at that point, um, Sarah Bailey, uh, had just posted that she was taking a dual certification course and it happened to be herbals course. And I was like, oh, wow, that's really cool. I didn't know that was even something you could do. And she was like, yeah, it's great. You know, this, that, and the other thing. And I was like, okay, so let me like, tell me more about it. And she started telling me more about it. And she was telling me that, oh, there's, you know, a free birth course. And I was like, wow, that, that's exactly what I need to try and convince my husband that this is the way to go. So I enrolled in the free birth course and um, completed that to try and convince him. Um, he did not ultimately go for a free birth, but he did agree to a home birth midwife. Um, she was just like she was honestly just the person I needed to gain more confidence in standing up for myself um she just had a very open mind and she was great with whatever I wanted um I wound up calling her um on the day I went into labor um and she was like yeah you know tell me call me again when you're feeling a change in the the you know, feel of your contraction. So I wound up calling her again 10 minutes later. I was like, okay, no, you need to come now. Um, and she barely made it there. It was great. My husband was there. My mom was there and my sister was there. Um, my midwife was great at keeping my mom away because she can, she was, she's a very nervous Nelly when it comes to anything that is out of the ordinary for her. Um, so she was afraid that I was going to, you know, die giving birth. And 
I just couldn't understand why she was afraid of something that women have been doing forever. Um, so having a midwife there that listened and would and stepped in when I needed her to step in was really an empowering moment for me. Um, and that birth so far of the three had been, it was absolutely perfect. He, it was um, five hours start to finish. It was much more relaxing and at peace to be at home where you don't have to worry about lights in your face and who you can have coming in at any point. But it still didn't feel quite like it filled that gap in me to empower myself to give birth with just my family with me. So when I found out I was pregnant with number four, which we were not expecting at all, we were not trying to have another child while we're living in New York. Um, we, I kept it from my family until I was about 20 weeks. I kept it from everyone else that I could the entire pregnancy because I just wanted this one to be for me and for my husband and for just us to enjoy. And this was when I decided that I was just going to go for just one confirmation sonogram so that we could have it, you know, for uh, birth records. And I went through my whole pregnancy pretty much completely unassisted. I did have um, one more sonogram for gender determination. Um, and then Sarah Bailey again. Sarah Bailey is my hero in this because she was my doula. She was my emotional support. She was my everything and all from a distance. It was great. Um, when it came time for this birth, I was actually talking to her before my husband woke up again. And then he got the tub filled up, got in, and within an hour and a half, he was born. And it was the easiest, most exhilarating moment so far of my life. Um, and he is the absolute most perfect, perfect little angel baby. He is the sweetest presence that I've gotten to meet so far. And I'm truly convinced that it's because we got to do things our own way and figure it out for ourselves. That's beautiful. I love that you got that healing experience. How would you say that your postpartum experiences differed after uh, each birth? Um, that was definitely a progression in the positive into a positive direction as well with my first um we actually wound up back in the hospital with him less than 24 hours after we were discharged um right before we got discharged he was peeing a very dark amber color and I said to the nurse is this normal and she just said oh yeah he's fine totally normal um when we got home in the middle of the night um it looked to to me that he had blood in his diaper, which we later learned was um, brick dust. But being first time parents, we freaked out and took him back to the emergency room where they admitted him because they were like, oh my gosh, he might have a UTI. Um, 
they tried to it was a whole experience we wound up that we wound up staying there for two days and it took my nurse sister um having to have words with the doctor for them to actually figure out that it was not a uti and finally discharge us um with my second um sorry still with my first so when i got home i definitely had some postpartum anxiety and postpartum depression um that i still have and it has exacerbated with each pregnancy but with my second the postpartum was definitely easier um the overall like just giving birth naturally just made it easier on my body um i was still exhausted from being in the hospital and being woken up and then getting home and having two kids to look after. So that was an adjustment, but it was definitely a better experience than with my first. With my third postpartum, I um, also had taken the placenta course. So I was like, okay, I've got this. I did a few smoothies with some raw placenta and felt immensely better just being home, being more comfortable, being just at ease. Um, and then with my fourth, while postpartum was great, I actually wound up with pneumonia a week postpartum and didn't know it was pneumonia for another month. So it was wonderful to have that empowering experience, but I thought I had broken a rib somehow and it was excruciating physically. So there's that. Right. That totally makes sense. What did you end up doing with each of your placentas? So with my first, I had no idea that you could even request or take a placenta home from the hospital. It didn't even cross my mind to think about it. Um, the farthest I had gotten to anything placenta wise was that I wanted um, to do delayed cord clamping. So after I was upset that we only got a minute of delayed cord clamping. I looked more into all of the benefits of that. And that led to more research about placentas. And I was like, okay, so this is actually something that I could do with my second. I requested that we could keep the placenta, but it was slept off and I don't know what happened to it. And then with my third, um my midwife was totally on board she was like yep we can definitely do that you can do it yourself i can help you find someone so we did delayed cord clamping for about an hour and a half i think and then i took a couple pieces of the raw placenta for that and then i still have what's left of that one in my freezer to plant somewhere eventually when we decide on our forever home and then with my fourth i wanted to try my hand at um, dehydrating and encapsulating. So that's what I did with that one. I still have a bunch of them left and I take them whenever I'm feeling moody. Okay, awesome. I was curious, like with the first two uh, or even three, with your partner not being in agreement with what you were wanting to do and having to settle and whatnot, how was that for you? Was that challenging for you or was that like no thing? Um, I think with my first, it really wasn't, you know, 
anything at all because we were both so new and we we're just like, okay, well, you know, we've got to figure this out. And I don't really know what I know. Like I've heard about it, but I'm not sure. So I kind of, I don't want to say caved because it's not really caving. It's we came to an agreement with our, with my first and that was fine. Um, but then the more I researched, the more annoyed I got that he wouldn't research. So it definitely put some strain there, but we still worked it out. And in the end, I got my way because I kept, I was persistent with my research and telling him that I could do this. And it just thankfully wound up working that he trusted in me and trusted in our baby. Awesome. Awesome. I get that. I was also curious if you would be able to share like what the differences were between having a midwife there for the third and then the fourth, not, you know, having that, like, what were some of the differences that you would notate and share with others? Um, some of the differences, um, like I said, so with my midwife, she was very like hands-off, let me lead a lot. So um she was there there was a it was nice to have someone there who could do like the weighing and the measurements and everything and have an extra body physically um but other than that honestly to me for me personally there wasn't that much of a difference it was nice it just being not quieter in the sense of physically quiet, but quieter in your soul, if you believe in souls, and just being able to reflect on an intimate moment with just those people that you want intimately. Absolutely. Yeah, that makes sense to me. Taylor, did you have any other questions? Yeah, I wanted to ask, so with the herbal free birth course that you took, what would you say was the most helpful part for you? Honestly, the most helpful part was, I know this is going to not, <laughs> not educationally, but just the overall empowerment that all of the words in the course and the confidence that the course gives you in the information that's presented. It's not just, you know, a snippet of women have done this forever. It's, it's broader. It's, it breaks it down into, I don't, it breaks it down into the sections of knowledge and intuition and therapist to give you confidence. It's, it's just an overall help. Sweet. I love to hear that. Thank you for sharing that. And I also wanted to ask about the whole flight attendant thing when you were pregnant with your first and you were doing that kind of work, do they have any point where you have to stop? Because I know they don't let pregnant women fly after a certain point. So is it the same for their employees? So for their employees, it's actually not the same. We could fly up until, you know, as long as we wanted to, as long as we had a note from a doctor saying, you know, everything was okay for us to fly after the typical eight months. Um, they re they rationalize it because the flight attendant is up and walking a lot more and is used to, at least my 
OB at the time rationalized it since I'd be up walking more and used to the, um, the altitude changes already because I'd been doing it for so long. Um, they felt that I could fly as long as I wanted to. That's really cool. So did you find that there were any specific impacts on you from when you would fly versus when you wouldn't? Um, with my first, not as much until I was probably about seven months along, I would feel, um, contractions mostly on just takeoff and landing. Um, and then with each, I was also pregnant and flying with my second. Um, and then the only thing I would notice is just this, the same thing, contractions on takeoff and landing, but it started happening sooner. So Okay. Yeah, that makes sense too. So I don't know if you know, but I figured I would ask as far as it goes, if a woman does go into labor on the plane, like during her flight, what is the protocol? Cause I've always wondered about that. Like, what did they do? So the protocol is, um, it's captain's decision if they're going to land or not. So if they would decide to land, they would find the closest airport. Um, the flight attendants would try and make room in the last row. They would try and move other passengers if they were able um, to give the laboring mom space and privacy. Um, our instructions, like, I wish that I had gotten to see a birth. I know it's a little weird for to say, but I wish I'd gotten to see a birth on a plane. It would have been like the highlight of my career. Um, but they, you know, they give us a brief rundown. They say to, just get us, you know, the towels and hot water and just try and give the mom as much privacy as they can and just be there with her. Very cool. So basically just be supportive, which definitely makes sense. Yep. If you had anything like one really important tip that you would share for anybody considering free birth, what would be your biggest thing to say to them? Absolutely. It would be just listen to your gut. I like that. Very simple. Okay. Wonderful. Well, was there anything else that you wanted to share either about your births, your pregnancies, postpartum, or just about yourself in general? Um, not really. No, <laughs> I mean, I'm just, now I am no longer a flight attendant. I stopped flying when um, the COVID-19 episode was becoming prominent. Um, I took advantage of my company offering a long-term leave, uh, and said, sure, why not? Because I had just found out I was pregnant with my third and I didn't want to be flying anyway. Um, so I would have been out until May of this year, but I resigned about two years ago. So it's been a relief not having to be away from my family because as cool as it is to travel the country and other countries it was very hard being away from my kids um so I'm just a stay-at-home mom now awesome that's great well we really appreciate you coming on to share everything and thank you so much for joining us thank you for tuning in to this episode of birthkeeper banter Make sure to like and subscribe to our channel on your favorite podcast listening platform and Facebook so you can be notified for future episodes. Enrollment for our 2023 midwifery cohort is now open. You can find sign-up information as well as all of our other courses at herbal.teachable.com. 
We love and appreciate you all. Thank you for helping us change the world. One verse story at a time. <laughs>